This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Here's the staff to Riley's. He drops back. Blue Chiefs looking for Everly. He's throwing. Going to the end zone. Now McDavid walks in right circle. Back to Everly. Touchdown, Eskimo. One-timer score. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. I want to start off by thanking the Movie Time channel. 262 on our Shaw Box here in the 6.30 Chad studio for showing the 2008 classic B-horror movie, Ogre. Hikers happen upon a cursed village whose residents are indebted to an ogre just in time for the yearly human sacrifice. No NHL tonight. Football hasn't started yet. Too early to watch the Raptors. I'm watching Ogre for the first hour of Inside Sports. So if you ever hear me shriek in fright, it's perhaps because the ogre has attacked a helpless villager. Thank you so much for tuning in. It is 6.07. It's Inside Sports on 6.30, Chad. My name is Reed Wilkins. How are you? Have a safe Halloween if you're still out there trick-or-treating yourself or with some young ones in the family. Of course, we have time for open line as we move along throughout the evening, whether you want to talk about the Oilers, Eskimos, or your favorite Halloween-related movie or activity, 780-496-0063. You can also text 630-630. Jalen Nye, the lovely co-host of the Afternoon News, along with Andrew Gross, left me a... Uh, uh, this is quite a, a thick... What, what would you call this, Kel? Is this a bundle of papers? A novelette. A, a what? A novelette. A novelette of papers. It's, it's a, not quite a novel, but it's not. It's, 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 a, it's a little novel. Printed off the... Yeah. Apparently off the website factretriever.com. I don't know how many of these are actually facts. Uh, 40 spooky facts about Halloween. We'll read these throughout the evening. Okay. I'll begin with number one. Because the 1978 movie Halloween was on such a tight budget, they had to use the cheapest mask they could find for the character Michael Myers, which turned out to be a William Shatner Star Trek mask. Shatner initially didn't know the mask was in his likeness, but when he found out years later, he said he was honored. Hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, spooky fact number one about Halloween... I'm not sure how a William Shatner mask is that scary. I guess it was the utilization of the mask. The shape, as they referred to Michael Myers in the first Halloween movie, starring what up-and-coming young actress? Jamie Lee Curtis. Jamie Lee Curtis. Yes, that was like her first film, wasn't it? Married to? 
Uh, that I don't know. Christopher Guest of oh, okay. This Is Spinal yeah. Tap. Fans. Yes. There we go. All right. This is a sports show, but it's it's, ha- it's Halloween, so I can just feel like I can get away with anything. Uh, I want to talk some Oilers here uh, off the top. They are hitting the road. They are in Toronto already. They flew out there today. Tomorrow, the game against the Maple Leafs on 6.30, Chad. 4 o'clock for the face-off show. 5.30 for the drop of the puck as they begin a uh, five-game road trip. We'll have Michael Trakos from Toronto on the show a little bit later on to uh, hype up or let us know what the hype is like for the Connor McDavid versus Austin Matthews showdown. And we have the Eskimo show with Morley Scott coming up from 8 to 9 tonight. Before we get into the Oilers stuff and some of the current events and uh, last night's game and what they have to do here in the games ahead, we should touch on the incredible performance by Craig Anderson last night back with the Senators uh, after taking a leave of absence because his wife, Nicole, has been diagnosed with cancer, returned to the Senators Saturday night, played yesterday a 37-save shutout, very solid performance, especially in the third period when the Oilers were trying to pour it on a little bit and tie up the game. He's also named the NHL's first star of the week. You saw it after the game. Uh, i, I got to say, awesome stuff by uh, Oilers fans. The ones who stayed right till the end, joining in uh, the standing ovation for uh, for Anderson. Cam Talbot, who was the second star of the game, stayed on the bench to uh, give Anderson a hand as well. Now, uh, Anderson, as, as you would expect, was not uh, did not speak to the media after the game. His head coach, Guy Boucher, and one of the goal scorers last night for the Sens, Bobby Ryan, did have some remarks. Very, very focused, very dedicated. Uh, you know, I, I think this team has, has lived quite a few things since the beginning of the year. Um, and to be able to rally like that uh, shows a lot of character. Um, you know, you want to play for for somebody, you want to play for a cause. Uh, but in the end, I think the players also played for themselves. And um, and you know, it's 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 a special night where you get the you get the result going your way on top of it. So uh, I'll be honest with you, I, I'm I'm speechless. I it's one of those special moments. Emotional, I think, uh, is one word. Leaving the the X's and the O's and everything else aside, it was an emotional night for us as a as a team. And uh, uh, what Andy did tonight was uh, pretty incredible to be around. It was a fun game to be a part of. Guy Boucher, Bobby Ryan, Craig Anderson, big night for the Ottawa Senators. They get the 2-0 win over the Oilers, so that does it for the Oilers' October schedule. And we went into the month saying. Uh, hey, maybe the schedule can be not so bad for the Oilers. Maybe there are some opportunities here. I know almost every time we've said that over the past five or six years, they haven't taken advantage of it. Well, if this was a quote-unquote easy schedule, favorable schedule, whatever you want to call it, they took advantage of it. I don't think you can argue with 7-2. and two. Of course, we'll pick apart some of the uh, trends in their game and some of the ways that they're actually playing, but I think the record itself perfectly fine um they played it's kind of funny they did not play a game outside of canada they did not play a game outside of western canada which is unusual to have that nine games in a row for a team in the west because they have to travel so much so they haven't gone to the states they won't until thursday tomorrow's game still in toronto Six of the nine games were at Rogers Place, where they went 4-2. and two. They also went 3-0 and oh on the road, beating Vancouver, Calgary, and Winnipeg. And oddly enough, the Oilers have not lost a game against a Western Conference team. They have not lost a game against a Western Conference team, which uh, 
you wouldn't expect given the way things have gone over the last few years. Their two losses coming against the East, both losses, Sunday night home games. I don't know if that means anything. I guess we'll see as it goes along. They certainly weren't prepared to play Buffalo. I thought last night, you know, I th- I thought the Oilers played okay. Um, I I think it was the type of game they've they've pulled out a couple of times this year, but the power play certainly a disappointment. Zero for three in the first period. Head coach Todd McClellan. No, our power play was not good at all, and uh, you know. I look at our first period, I'm not sure we were really ready to go. Um, we won 11 of 14 face-offs and had six full minutes of power play and ended up with seven shots on goal. That's not a, a good recipe. Um, we kind of looked good doing nothing in the offensive zone. We moved it around, we, we got into the zone, but we didn't. We had no substance on it, no, uh, no attack and no um, tenacity to recover pucks. Um, that showed up later on in the third period when we were a little more desperate, but um, you need that early. You can't wade your way into a game like that. Looked good doing nothing, no substance on the power play. He referenced only seven shots in the first period in spite of spending six minutes with a man advantage. And Todd McClellan has talked about this before. We have not heard it as much this season with the Oilers doing obviously way better than they did last year, but about wading their way into games. And I I know one thing McClellan has said is the games are often decided by five, six, maybe seven shifts. You just don't have the luxury of knowing which ones they are until after the game. And the Oilers had a perfect opportunity to make the most important shifts in that game occur in the first period. And I guess you can argue that they still did, and they were important in the fact that Edmonton did not score goals when they had opportunities and, quite frankly, create that much momentum out of those power plays. You know, we've talked a little bit about, well, we've talked a lot, actually, about the increased experience on this team, the increased maturity. Uh, I would hope that the team wading its way into games and not recognizing the importance of shifts early in the game as much as the importance of shifts late in the game, I I would hope this is a problem that we don't talk about very much. And, And it shouldn't be given what they've been through and given some of the experienced guys on the team. But time will tell as we move along want to look a little more deeply into this five game road trip coming up your feedback is welcome whether you want to talk power play how convinced you are of uh, the record how worried or not worried you are about the road trip 780-496-0063 you can also text 63630 you can tweet me at reed wilkins it is 615 it's inside sports on 630 chat This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. Now, that's that's a fitting artist to play at Halloween. Little Vincent Fernier coming back from the commercial, also known as Alice Cooper. Going to go to the phone lines with Elvis in a second here. Got a nice, uh, long thought-out text from the Big L, which I will read, but I want to kind of give it a bit more of a segment. So Big L, I'll probably do that in the next half hour. Armswar has texted in. He says, honestly, Reed, when I heard Anderson was coming back from his situation, I knew we weren't going to win last night's game come hell or high water. That said, got to beat the Leafs tomorrow night. Last November 30th, do you remember... 
who the Oilers briefly turned into a Toronto Maple Leafs legend? Young goaltender named Garrett Sparks up from the farm. Shutout in his first game. The Oilers a bit of a moribund effort and they lost 3-0 to Toronto. They will try to do better tomorrow evening. Going to be fun. 780-496-0063. Elvis is on the line. Hello, Elvis. Hey, Reed. Uh, just uh, listening to the show, driving home, enjoying it. Uh, I, I have to say that the guy kind of stole my thunder there a bit. When you look at what was going on last night with Anderson and all the reports and the team stepping up behind him, I watched that game over. I watched that game, and I'll tell you what, uh, I was I was impressed with with Ottawa, and I was impressed with the Oilers, and they both had uh, moments of brilliance, and they both had moments of ugh. But <laughs> overall, uh, seven and two. If you'd have told me that we'd be sitting seven two. Uh, this time this year, I would have I would have I would have bet the house that you were on something. I, I think I, I think it's miraculous. I think I think uh, they're learning how to win. But a question for you on the power play, Woodcroft, like like what's going? Like he he he's coaches special teams, does he? Yeah, Woodcroft does a lot of the power play stuff. So they haven't been very good towards the end of last year either, and this year, what what can you see happening? Well. Uh, I'll tell you what, I'll just quickly, I'll get the stat for you. 20th in the NHL, 14.8%. Clearly underwhelming. I, I, I just don't think, and, and here's the thing, Elvis, I, I don't want to spend too much time. I'm going to give you a long answer here, so bear with me. It's a yeah. long show. We can we got the time. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to spend too much time this season talking about that they don't have Al McKinnis on the point. Because... You know, or Shea Weber or P.K. Subban who can fire the puck. Because I don't think they're going to get that guy during the course of this season. Maybe That's probably Shirelli's next off-season shopping list item. So I don't want to dwell on, oh, we don't have a point shot, we don't have a point shot. I'm like, okay, we don't have a point shot, so there are other ways to be successful with the puck. I mean, they're trying to run the power play through McDavid off the half wall. Ottawa clearly did a good job of trying to cinch him off a little bit last night. I, I I think last night the Oilers, you know, is this Woodcroft or is this the players? That's maybe a debate. But I don't think they were determined enough to throw the puck into the blue paint. And, you know, even Rob has said it after games sometimes, that's a bad angle shot isn't always a bad idea because it's in the goalie's feet and he's not always perfectly squared up to it. So sometimes you get funny rebounds. I mean, Ottawa was Ottawa was trying to take away the, I guess, the traditional passing lanes and some of the other down low plays that the Oilers had working. So I think at some point you got to throw that puck into the goalie's feet or or into the blue paint and try to create a bit of a frenzy in the crease. I I, I think and like McClellan said it, they looked good, but they were doing nothing. I mean, so in a couple of their power plays, they controlled the puck, but there wasn't anything at the net. I just think that it has to be worked. Now I'm not letting Woodcroft off the hook here, and I'm trying to think of what I've seen in the power play. I know they practiced that play, dry, uh, Lucic to Drysaddle that they scored against Calgary. They really practiced that, but yeah. I, I think at some point the players have to remind themselves we are not going to pass the puck into the net. I mean, you, you, the uh, the power plays always have offensive guys on them who can handle the puck and who have good vision and can make sharp passes, but it's often the 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 passes off the goalies' pads 
And the goals like Everly scored against Calgary, where they got it into the crease, and quite frankly, Everly got excellent body position and outworked the guy for the puck. Those are often the goals that go in, and those were often the goals that the San Jose Sharks scored. I called them the feeding frenzy type goals. I think the Oilers need a little more of that mentality. Well, absolutely. Traffic, traffic in front. We've got a lot of big bodies. Interesting stat. They're two for seven on the road, which isn't a big sample case, but they're at 28%. Right. I believe it works out to, to on the road. And I, I think that, I think personally, I think that that they have to, they, they have, they've got the big bodies, get those guys out there. And like you said, simplify it, get the puck on the net. But it just, it just seems like everybody, they're playing hot potato and they're going to let you pass it on the outer outside all night long if you're not taking a shot. Elvis, thanks for calling, buddy. You have a great night. All right. We also have Jared on the line. Jared, you're on Inside Sports. Go ahead. How's it going? Doing well. Uh, you just have a comment about the power plays in general, like of most NHL teams. When you watch the games, I think that they have so many preset plays that a lot of other players, like let's say Eberle or Connor McDavid, is that it's kind of going against their hockey sense. Like instead of just letting it flow a little more naturally, they're trying to set it up. Like they have to, you know, wait behind the net for the guy to come pick up the puck. And I think that. It, it kind of comes too mechanical that way. And I think that if they just played more where they got the puck in the end and they looked for whatever option was there instead of always trying to set up a set play, they would do uh, quite a bit better. And the only other thing is a little bit concerned that they only really scored one goal in the last two games. They had, what, their one empty net goal, and they scored only one goal in the last two games. And I think that, you know, they're playing a very tight style. And even though you get chances... When you know you, you, you're maybe only going to win the game by one goal, you can start to tighten up. And I think they've been a little bit snake-bitten. And, and I think that's the trouble when you start to play a very defensive game. You, you know, you're talking like, like even in the Washington game, I think there, were, there wasn't any scoring halfway through the second period. So all of a sudden it's just the one goal can go either way and then you get your chance and then you can't put it in the net. I, I think you're, I, you make an interesting point about set plays on the power play. I, I've always got the impression that, that players like to have the set plays and, and things to rely on to know they're all on the same page. But I, sometimes, Jared, I have found, and this is through watching hockey as long as I've been alive, not just watching the Oilers the last nine games. Some, I mean, I know on the power play you want to set it up and you want to protect the puck, but, but sometimes teams get into a rut where they slow down so much and then you just give the penalty killing time to adjust and the goalie time to move, right? It's like, okay, I know I'm supposed to put it back to the point. Careful pass. Now, okay, now I'm going to put it to this guy. And instead of passing at kind of regular speed, you, you slow it down. And then the, the penalty killers are just like, well, this is easy. I'm just going to move over and now take it away. Maybe, maybe a bit of that from the Oilers. If they're coming into the zone with a lot of speed, that's actually their best chance to try to make a play. But as soon as it gets set up, and the defensemen are so big, and the way they block shots, people say there's no one. It's hard to get a shot through from the point because everyone's just going down to block it. So then you try to you try to work it down low, and everybody collapses. So trying to get something off the rush with a guy like Connor McDavid, David may be a better option than always like setting it up, and then they they tighten up, and you can't get a shot like those. The guys are huge, like and with their sticks and everything. There's very little time to make any type of play. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's something we got to watch for. I mean, nine games in, it's uh, it's maybe one of the lower points for a seven and two team for sure. Jared, thanks for calling. Thanks, Reed.
All right, we got open phone line 7804960063. You can text 63630. We have uh, Michael Trakos coming up between 7 and 7:30 and uh, a little more on the Oilers when we get back. It's Inside Sports on Chat. This is Adarius Bowman from your Edmonton Eskimos. And you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. Adarius Bowman leads 52 yards on Saturday to pass Brian Kelly for the most receiving yards in a season by an Edmonton Eskimo. He has already broken his own Eskimos record for receptions in a season. Eskimos and Argos Saturday afternoon. Don't forget about the big uh, 50-50 head uh, draw that they're going to have. They gave it a head start. The take-home jackpot starting at $50,000. The first 20,000 people through the gates on Saturday will get a free Bel Air Direct 50-50 ticket to potentially win what could be a record-setting jackpot. Gates are going to be a two-kickoff or gates at noon, pardon me, two hours ahead of the 2 p.m. kickoff, Eskimos and Argos on Saturday. Thanks for tuning in. It's Inside Sports on 6.30, Chet. Got a couple guys on the phone I want to get to, but I I said I would keep giving out. Uh, Jay Lynn left me this article, 40 Spooky Facts About Halloween from the website factretriever.com, which I don't think actually retrieves a lot of facts. You know, I I think that would be like me starting a website about myself and, you know, calling it sexybrazilianmen.com. And then it was just me. That wouldn't be accurate. I don't think factretriever.com is accurate. Fact number 24. According to tradition, I love that. According to tradition. Like, what tradition? According to tradition, if a person wears his or her clothes inside out and then walks backwards on Halloween, he or she will see a witch at midnight. Okay. Walks, like, for the entire day you have to walk backwards just a little bit? Well, You'll just see a witch? Okay. That could get dangerous after a while. Factretriever.com. Here's their slogan. Factretriever.com. Don't come to us for facts. Uh, text to 630-630. Mike from Sturgeon County says the Oilers need a solid second line. They need a solid backup goaltender. And last but not least, all is well in the hockey world because Ron McLean is back. Mike from Sturgeon County. Ralph is on the phone line. Happy Halloween, Ralph. Happy Halloween, Reed. <laughs> What's going hey, on? According to tradition, if you wear your Oilers jerseys to the game inside out, the power play will score two goals. <laughs> Would you, you we try that next Friday when they're back in town? All right. <laughs> hey, I was at the game last night, and uh, I think <clears throat> if you listen to Adam Oates, I've been listening to him on Gregor's show, and I think a man with his pedigree would know. He says it really doesn't matter how hard the point shot is. The most important thing about the power play and any shot is getting it through. And from what I could see, the two things the Oilers didn't do well enough on the power play was get their shots from the point, a lot of blocks, and they didn't move the puck quick enough. Yep. And uh, I know Connor McDavid, he had, I think in the first, and even the second power play in the first period, he was circling out from the white right uh, face-off circle. And then the first time he shot, when I was glad he did that, and he got a good shot away, he got it on net. Uh, second time he dished, but I think 
when Connor McDavid is doing that and nobody else is moving, then it doesn't really create a dynamic look for the defense because they kind of know where their checks are, right? Right. It's kind of like if there's five guys on court and one guy's got the ball and he's moving around with the ball, but the four guys he can pass the ball to aren't moving, then what are the defenders going to do? They're just going to kind of stand there and watch them, right? Yeah, right. Well, so, I mean, we can say it'd be nice to have a Shea Weber, but there's 29 other teams in the league that don't have a Shea Weber, and we can say it'd be nice to have a P.K. Subban, but there's 29 other teams in the league that don't have a P.K. Subban. Well, there's 29 other teams in the league that don't have a Connor McDavid. And right. 29 other teams in the league that don't have a Milan Lucic, who's big and strong and standing in front of the net, and you can't move him. So I think the excuse even from the coaching staff, not that I've ever heard them make it, is that we don't have a point shot is a pretty weak one. And well, you have to you have to build your power play around the strengths of your team. And if the strengths of your team are you have a lot of skill and guys who are creative and can shoot, then you got to find a way to make the power play work with that skill set. Well, I think you make a good point about the point shot specifically. And I've talked to a couple of Oilers this year now, it wasn't during an interview, so I, I won't say who it was, but at least one of them plays on the power play. And he kind of said to me, like, you know, people got to just forget about the big point shot a little bit. Like, it's it's not the only way to have a good power play. I think you're right. It's kind of a luxury as opposed to the only way to make it succeed. And the Oilers did score a tip-in goal on the power play this year. Do you remember the Lucic goal against Washington? What did Sekera do? got the shot through to a point where Lucic could tip it and he batted it down and went into the net. So maybe more than the velocity of the shot, it's that it's that you know sometimes the Oilers D guys aren't good at getting the shots through regardless of the velocity. If you think about when the Oilers did have a good power play, not that it was ever great, but you had Ryan Smith in front and then you had a guy like Doug Wade distributing the puck and then you had maybe a Yanni Ninema and a Dan Cleary. I mean, the Oilers didn't have a ton of talent. They also had Alashemsky, who drove everyone crazy. But free right. <laughs> Alashemsky, you had Ryan Smith in front. You had Doug Waite distributing. Maybe you had Billy Garano there and, and Yanni Nenema. I mean, not really a bunch of big shots, but if you get it anywhere close and, and you got a guy like Lucic in front, I don't think he's got quite the puck-deflecting skills that Ryan Smith had, but... He's willing to go there, just get it there, and, and see what happens. Well, Ralph, the Oilers had a good power play under Todd Nelson for that half season. I don't even who was the point man. I don't even remember. Yeah, <laughs> right. So that's right. So yeah, you're right. They they got. I think they got to focus on the puck moving and, and getting the puck into the uh, into the blue area. Happy Halloween, buddy. Thanks for calling. Yeah, you too. That's Ralph seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Gord is also on the line. Hey, Gord. Hey, how you doing today? Doing very well. How's your Halloween? Oh, well, we're just going to go see what's happening at home here. And hopefully we've got tea downstairs. Good. Yeah, I just want to make a comment, a uh, couple comments there. When, uh, just thinking when Matt Hendricks comes back from his injury and that, is he going to be automatically put right back into the fourth line or third line, or or there will be an opportunity for someone else to uh, either go down to the minors or go on on the bench or, or what because seems to be going pretty good right now and uh, I don't know it's just that's I, such a country of losing here in Edmonton and I don't know just just thinking all about 
I think Hendricks, because of his past with this team and his reputation as an NHLer, I think he does get back in. And, you know, maybe Pitlick comes out. Um, I, I, if Poljarve isn't in the in, isn't on the team anymore, maybe he's in the minors and Slepeshev's playing, maybe he comes out. I, I think Hendricks gets the opportunity to come back in um, just because of his experience and because of what he's been able to do to help the team before. Uh, now, you know, Pitlick has been generally good. He's scored three goals, but I don't think that's going to continue. The, the thing is, I, I think Lander has earned himself an opportunity to stay in the lineup because yeah. of his face-offs and his penalty killing. So to me, if Hendricks comes back, maybe Pitlick becomes the 13th forward. Now, Packerinen is a different story. I, I don't know if he's an automatic to be reinserted, given how Pitlick's played. Okay, perfect. Hey, one other thing. I just comment on uh, the new arena. Yeah, just beautiful inside. Everything is is great. You know, a little pricey, but you know, it's, it's first class. But you know, they could turn that volume down like half to where it was when I went to the Buffalo game, and we'd all hear it very loud and clear. Okay, but that was unreal as far as loud. Okay, I'm glad you said that, Gord, because someone asked me if I found it loud, and I said no, but I sit very, very high. So I wonder if I wonder if it's a different audio experience for me because I'm I'm way up near the roof. So I'm glad you brought that up. Thanks. Okay, thanks, Gort. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We also have Darren on the line. Hello, Darren. Hey, how are you doing, Reed? Doing good. Thank you for calling. Good. Hey, I'm I'm calling only because Reed. I must have seen a different game last night. I thought the Oilers actually played very well defensively, and when you look at the shots on goal. Neither team had really great shots on the other end, other goaltender. Uh, you know, the Oilers did a really good job in the defensive end and keeping uh, Ottawa up. And more importantly, I mean, Ottawa did a really good job defensively in keeping our forwards out on the outside. So they both played a really good game. I was really happy with the defensive side of our Oilers this this, uh, this game. Yeah, no, I, I, I think, I think Darren, there's just a lot of focus on the power play tonight because it could have given the Oilers control in the first period. I, I didn't think that was a horrible game by any means for the Oilers. McClellan made the comment that they didn't start very well. Um, but I, I think, and I said this last night on, uh, on overtime overline with Rob, I said it was, it was kind of the type of game the Oilers have been able to win two or three times this year. You know, close. They couldn't get the goal to go ahead. And, and Anderson outdueled Talbot in net, not by much. I mean, there was nothing wrong with the way Talbot played. I just think there's a lot of focus on the power play, Darren, because of the percentage being so low, uh, and because of some of the talent out there, and and because it could it could have swung the game in their favor last night. But no, I still thought yeah. they played a pretty good defensive game. Yeah, that, that's a fair comment because I I think last year we didn't do very good defensively, and last night was a good example where we had the guys really putting a lot of effort in the defensive end. And uh, that that actually made me feel a lot more confident going on the road this year because I think we've got a lot more confidence on the backside. And defensively, we're playing a lot better. So that, that's the only comment I want to make, Reed, is that I think the team's playing a lot better. And last night was a good example of, although we didn't win, we did put a lot more effort in than we would have seen in the last couple of years. Yeah, they're a lot tighter team for sure. Thanks, Darren. All right, sorry for cutting you short. And we got uh, Cal here before we got to take a break, and then we have a, uh, I think we have a Section O coming up. But Cal's online too. Hey, Cal. Hey, Reed. Just just a question uh, regarding Alice Hemsky. How does a team protect itself 
against players getting injured like that in international tournaments. Who gets who gets paid? Does he get? He doesn't get paid through the team, does he? Yeah, the stars will still have to pay him. They still have to pay him, although he got hurt playing. As, Not for them. As far as I know, unless there's some sort of, I, I'd have to check if there was some sort of insurance issue. But yeah, I mean, he wouldn't be paid by the uh, the check team or whatever. No, yeah, he's out five to six months with hip surgery. So I I can understand why teams are a little reluctant to send some players to go play for these tournaments. Oh, well, and that's why the Olympics might not happen, right? One of the, one of the reasons, because the NHL is at the point where they're like, what's what's enough? Now the NHLPA and NHL put on the World Cup, but with the Olympics, they're kind of at the point where like, what's in it for us except for risk? Right. Yeah, it's a high risk. Okay. Yeah. I, I didn't know who paid for him. Okay, thanks, Reed. Appreciate okay. it. Okay. I, I hope that's right. I, 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 I'm sure there's some sort of insurance involved, but yes, I mean, basically the Dallas Stars are, are overall responsible. All right, 780-496-0063. Quick timeout, and then we're going to bring in Section O for a quick view on the Eskimos. This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. Did not did John Carpenter not write the music for Halloween yes. as well as directing it? Yeah. Talented young man. Great director. You know who else is talented? Darrell Walker. Yeah. He takes the drop. He looks to the end zone, throws it up in the air. Darrell Walker's got it at the one. Does he get in? Yes, touchdown as close. Darrell Walker was able to come up with the football and just push it across the goal line after making the reception. Mike Miller onto the line for the Eskimos as they go double tight ends. Riley gets the ball and throws it out to the left side to Darrell Walker. He's at the five, cutting to the end zone. Touchdown, Eskimos. Darrell Walker has a pair, and the Eskimos increase the lead. And the Eskimos would win 29-26 in Hamilton on Friday. Don't know who they're going to play still. They will be on the road, though. The, the slim chance of a home playoff game has disappeared as we bring in. Is this Matt from Section O actually calling inside sports again? Hey, Reed, how's it going? Doing well. How are you? Not bad, not bad. Uh, you're stuck in the radio booth for Halloween. That's okay, buddy. That's do, okay. do people really need me out on the streets on Halloween? What's that? Do people really need me out on the streets on Halloween? Oh, I don't know. That's why. That's what the people said to me. They said uh, that I have the face for Halloween when I was back in junior high, and I'm not still quite sure I'm over it yet. But all right, look, buddy. The the Oilers have won seven of nine. The Eskimos have won four of their last five. Everybody should be happy, right? What's on your mind? What's on my mind? Well, there's several things on my mind. Um, Reed, I, the question that's on everybody's mind, actually, is: Do you want to play Calgary in the Grey Cup? Or do you want to play Calgary in the West Final? Now, this is going to be a really interesting game because where we seed is actually going to be divisive on Friday night. Now, if the Bombers lose and then we win on Saturday, we're going to go through the West. Yes. Now, if we if if the Bombers win, then that renders our game pretty much meaningless. And I was actually just looking at the betting line here. They got the Eskimos by 10.5 over the Argos. And for people that are aware, the Argos are just a complete dumpster fire at the end of the year. Do you play Mike Riley on the Saturday if it's meaningless? Uh, I would still, yes, for part of the game. See, because when I was watching the Sunday afternoon game, and it was Calgary-Montreal, they were still talking about the same situation that the Eskimos faced last year. Calgary's got the week 18 bye. 
Then they got the bye for the semifinal, and then they have, I think it's something like 22 days off again, and they didn't play Bo Levi Mitchell once. Yeah. Now, go to Mike Riley now, we basically turn around and we have to go either Hamilton or Winnipeg. It's still undecisive now, so I would actually like to see James Franklin play a half. Mike Riley's played all 17 games. He doesn't really need to play against the Argos. Dust some of the rust off, whatever it is. He doesn't have to play the whole game. Now, here's the other thing, and I tried to articulate this to Dave on the Points After Show a couple of weeks ago, but for obvious reasons, I couldn't. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) The Eskimos, if they go to, well, any, any Western team is really favored through the East crossover this year. However, history doesn't work that way. No Western team has ever gone to the Grey Cup. And one of the things is, in my mind, it's the travel schedule. If the Eskimos can overcome the travel schedule, they have to go Edmonton, Hamilton, back to Edmonton, then to Ottawa, then back to Edmonton again to turn around to go to Toronto for the Tuesday because all the teams got to land on the Tuesday. This could, if the Eskimos go all the way, that's a really draining travel schedule. Factor in time zones and flight times and all that, and that's why Western teams don't do good through the East. Um, in my mind, I would love to see an Edmonton Calgary Cup. I think it would just be phenomenal, and I know it would just kill the league. But <laughs> an Edmonton Calgary Cup would be awesome. However, I would still like to see the Eskimos go through the West because I do think, and I'm going to get heat for it, we are a better team than Calgary. In the rematch, we were one offsides away in overtime from beating them. Uh, well, they didn't hold the lead, though. But... Well, hang on a sec. Don't bring logic into my phone calls here, okay? <laughs> okay. I'll just, I'll just shut up now. <laughs> uh, it's tough to go through the East despite beating Hamilton. They're 1-3 against the East. The weaknesses with the Eskimos no exist. No fan twos. No fan Right. But the weaknesses the Eskimos have exist regardless of who they play, and that is that they have their, their secondary still isn't great, and for whatever reason, a 17-point lead has been the worst situation for the Eskimos all season long. But I, I, I'd play Riley half the game no matter what because uh, you want to keep rolling here, and it, they're, they're going to be in for a tough road no matter what. Fair enough? Fair enough. You getting a 50-50 ticket on Saturday? Yes, I will, Matt. Right on. And for people that don't know what I'm talking about, it starts at 50K and the first 20,000 through the doors. Get a free draw. And uh, read yours truly. will be firing off the pregame siren. Oh, that's right. Good stuff. So uh, make sure you're all in your seats for that because we've got a couple of surprises that game day ops don't know about yet. Okay. Well, (laughs) nothing. No nudity. What's that? No nudity. But like I said, I was told I got a face for Halloween in junior high. I definitely don't have the body to go streaking in front of 35,000 people. <laughs> that is Matt from Section O. Check it in tonight. Always love to hear from him. Very passionate Edmontonian and Eskimos fan. Gary, I'm sorry. That's a tough one to follow, but I got a couple minutes for you, buddy. What's on your oh, mind? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Reed. Uh, happy Halloween to uh, you and uh, Ched, uh, Ched staff and also Ched listeners. Uh, listen. I agree with Matt Section O there. Uh, I I I'm glad. I'm very happy Calgary got beat by Montreal. They're due were due for loss. I'm glad they didn't get the record for most wins in the season. So that's still intact with the Eskimos, I believe. I'm not if I'm standing from corrected. Uh, I'm glad yeah. that Calgary lost on the weekend. It'd be nice if if Edmonton would have won against Ottawa. But I think if we would have got a goal, 
against Anderson, it would have been a different story. Um, in regards to the power play, uh, yeah, a little bit different with, with this point with the power play, but I think they'll work it out. Uh, I think just just simplify it, just get the puck to the net, and just crash the net. You know, I mean, most of the goals are scored around blue paint. And um, uh, last thing is uh, against Toronto uh, on Saturday, I'll be there at the game. I want to be one of the one of the uh, twenty thousand people to get one of those fifty uh, fifty tickets, and hopefully they win. Hey, thanks for calling, buddy. And uh, before you go, I just wanted to uh, um, do a little bit of sound effect for uh, just for the Halloween uh, mood tonight. Listen up. All right. <laughs> there you go. That's you got a you got a very diverse voice, Gary. Thank you. Thank you very much, sir. <laughs> Have a nice evening. All right. I'll get to some texts at six thirty. Six thirty. When we get back. And uh, Michael Trakos from Post Media in Toronto is going to help us preview tomorrow's Matthews McDavid showdown when we get back. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.